As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome to Castle of Horror, the show dedicated to horror movies and awesomeness. This week we continue what we are calling the Groovy Horror Retrospective, a look at classic horror of the 60s and 70s with the 1971 vampire movie The Return of Count Yorga, also known as Yorga Returns. Bear in mind, if you haven't seen today's movie, we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have, so warning, spoilers ahead. From Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Jason Henderson, creator of the Alex Van Helsing novels. With me from Austin is Tony Sabaggio, lead singer of the band Deserts of Mars and co-creator of the comics Psycom from Tokyo Pop, Clockworks from Humanoids, new to Rooster Teeth in Austin. Say hello, Tony. Howdy. Howdy. Also in Austin is Mr. Drew Edwards, creator and writer of the long-running comic Halloween Man for Monsterverse Comics. Say hello, Drew. I want to say two things. One, since we're talking about how white trash I am, we should probably mention that I'm also a contributing writer to Rockabilly Online. And two, you're really peppy tonight. You're on fire, sir. (laughs) You've had enough coffee, apparently. (laughs) It is. It's it's the coffee. I I don't want to go back and listen to the episodes where I'm asleep. I I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to pick them. But thank you. I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna t- I want you. This is your action item. I want you to remind me. Send me a, a, an email to add that to your bio. Okay. Off. So there we go. No, you laugh, but that's the only way it's gonna happen. And finally, also joining us from Denver, as always, color commentary from attorney Julia Guzman. Say hello. Hello. Okay. According to Wikipedia, The Return of Count Yorga, originally titled Yorga Returns, a 1971 American vampire horror film directed by Bob Kelgen and starring Robert Quarry. It is the sequel to the 1970 film Count Yorga Vampire. All the stuff that I just read was true also of Count Yorga Vampire. The story features Robert Quarry returning as the infamous vampire Count Yorga, along with his servant Bruda, both of whom have been revived by, well... (laughs) It says this, I have my doubts, have been revived by the supernatural Santa Ana winds. No, that's not the case. <laughs> they're, they're just back. The Santa, all right, Wikipedia, fine. No, but, but IMDb says the same thing. 
They're wrong. Okay, well, then let's well, talk about that. He, he does not accept that. This is what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Actor Roger Perry, who had a lead role in the first film, appears again as a different character. So let's get our opening thoughts. Um, let, uh, this is exciting, an exciting one to talk about. Uh, let's go. Tony, we'll mix it up. Tony, Drew, Julia, and then I'll come up with something. So, Tony, uh, return of Count Yorga. First thoughts. I I really like it. I think it goes. it gets even crazier, which is pretty – Phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I I enjoyed a lot of things about this, especially because like Yorga gets even more snappy yes. lines and more disdain. He's um, snootier. He gets snootier. He's, you know, they do. So as someone pointed out last time, he does get a little bit romantic, but only in the sense that he still has a harem of lesbian vampire women. And Can they truly be called lesbian vampire women if he if he intends on having sex with them as well? Well, they, 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 they be more proper than vampire women. They're pansexual. They're not just yeah. bisexual because they're vampire sexual, so they're pansexual. But they're okay. You know, pansexual I, if, there were, if there were lesbian vampire making out scenes in this movie, I don't remember them. I think I missed that. I, I, well, I. You would consume that he's up to his previous tricks, <laughs> which, which although he does have a TV this time, last time was more like, all right, yeah, you guys do that. I'm going to sit here watching my throne. Good job. That's right. See, so, I love that he's watching the vampire lovers, too, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> he's watching the vampire lovers, which is actually a movie that we have done. So, in other words, we have done an entire episode on the movie within this movie, which means we have finally lapped ourselves. Awesome. In terms of, of movie reviews. Okay. But yeah, I like this a lot. Like, it, it, still, it still really works for all the reasons the first one works, and it gets a little crazier, so that's cool, too. Very cool. Mr. Drew, um, lay it on us. First thoughts, Count Yorga, or Return of Count Yorga. I'm wondering what you're thinking. Again, I uh, I have very fond memories of this of this movie for the the the, uh, the reasons I mentioned last week is that I I did not see this movie until I was in my twenties and was pointed into the direction by a a comely uh, video store clerk that I briefly had an acquaintance with and we won't go into too much more detail than that but. <laughs> I think this is a, a heck of a good time. Um, I would almost say that this is this is first of all the the, the evident uh, influence of Night of the Living Dead that we talked about last week is even heavier mm-hmm. in this one. So it does actually have some legitimately uh, shocking scenes, especially the part where the vampire brides are attacking. Um, but it also, I think you you see a lot of you know, I, I've talked about this again with other movies, like the sort of dawn of like postmodern horror, in which this movie could also be seen as a parody of the first movie in many ways. Like it's a lot more glib, it's a lot bigger, it's a lot broader, it's a lot campier in a lot of respects. And uh, I, I actually think, in many respects, I like it better than the first one because it's got that bigness to it. Very cool. No, that's a lot to think about, especially especially the thought about uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, all right. Julia, uh, so Return of the Count Yorga, what are your thoughts? 
I liked this one more than the first one. I thought it was funny in a lot of spots, and I thought it was really horrific in a few spots. Um, I mean, I, there's I, and every single time, without fail, count your what did you call it? Run chokes. <laughs> the run and choke attack. Right? The run and choke. Every That's time I did that, awesome. I I crack up. It's so funny. <laughs> So I would like to edit in the, the million dollar man, like the six million dollar man sound effect. That, <laughs> that would be awesome. Anyway, so yeah, so I, I think I enjoyed this one more. I felt like it, it. I mean, I don't know that it made any more sense, but there were more moments of oh, you know, like like either sh- like being surprised you know, by something or thinking it was funny or thinking it was really awful. It does kind of have an Evil Dead Two versus Evil Dead kind of feel yeah. when you think about it. And and I think that's cool because it kind of rehashes a lot of similar like points, but it does them in a bigger way. So there, you could make that argument. I, I was thinking about that a little bit. That that just in, yeah, in the same way that Evil Dead Two suddenly is a little smarter, a little more crafty, you know, and and has more of a sense of humor and and brings out more jokes. That's all true. Not quite as parallel as those two because the sure. plot. Is very different, but has a lot of the same themes. Um, I think I, the the whole thing about Yorga's trademark run and choke, though, you guys are dead on. That thing is amazing. That his <laughs> his choice of attacking people is that they don't hear him coming, then they turn around and here he comes, running from like like ten yards away, like just really fast with his arms outstretched at full bore. And you know, it, it reminds me a lot of my you know I think about my grandpa who was like a <laughs> you know, he was a Cherokee. No, 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 no. Listen, bear me out. He was a Cherokee yeah. Indian. He was this big, tall guy with like this shock of like white hair. He didn't look like you know Robert Quarry because you know he was an Indian. But yeah. he would always get like you know had a very thick like Oklahoma drawl, and he would always talk about when he get irritated. People was like, I'm gonna wring their neck. Yes, and <laughs> that's what this makes me think of. I want to see him fight Count Yorga now. <laughs> Just a good old fashioned neck ringing fight. All it would take, the amazing thing is, Count Yorga has two modes. So extremely smooth is that every move is slow and cool and, 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 you know, elegant. And then this mode where you just suddenly look and, holy crap, there he comes. And he moves really. Now, the funny thing is, this is a really vulnerable attack that he does. His whole thing about like running at you with his arms outstretched. If you were Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan would just figure out a way to use that momentum. No, but he, but he combines that with his hypnotic, uh, you know, because I don't think I think you, you're kind of stunned when it happens, literally stunned. I know? would be absolutely. No, well, I mean, he's got I'm, superhuman strength. I think you know clearly the only the only person that could withstand this 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 attack. In this universe, would be Captain Jackie Chan, Vampire Hunter. Well, gotcha. <laughs> Wait, I agree. Which Vampire Hunter did you did you call for? Captain Captain Kronos. I mean, come oh, yeah. on. No, that's true. Captain Kronos. Captain Kronos. Or oh my god, it's a different Captain. Or yeah, that's seven Captain Kate, man. He was also groovy. <laughs> I, I think the the seven brothers and one sister from uh, from Legend of Seven Golden Vampires would do just fine. As Count U- with against Count Yorga and his bevy of zombie vampire babes. That's, um, that, that doesn't count because there's there's more than one of them. If you have a posse, it doesn't count. I mean, Yorga was going to go up against Doctor Fives, but I think Fives would have taken it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, everybody loses the Fives. Yorga loses twice. I, to like I normal people. Do. 
Yeah, I, I actually don't want to, you know, because I was about to ask you if you thought that maybe Santo would be able to defeat Count Yorga, but this is ridiculous. We, right? <laughs> this is not ridiculous. This is why we have a podcast. Yes. yes. All right. So we can talk about these nerdy things. So really quick thought before we get into this movie. General main thought. Um, I do like this movie a lot. I think there are, you know, I think there are some really disturbing things about it. There are, you know, there are some really good scares, shocks, stuff that you're surprised happens. You know, it, it still has, it has some real ballsy storytelling in it. At the same time, there is nothing, literally nothing, that comes anywhere close to some of the shocks of the first movie. In my, in my feeling, the, the, um, the, there's a major mass murder in this one that comes close to being as shocking. But frankly, the lady with the cat in the first movie. It just can't be topped. There's there's nothing on that order here. So that's that's my thought. Is this is I think mm, it's a period. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I think the cat, the lady with the cat, is 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 shocking. But gosh, having what's the character's name that's mute? Uh, Rudolph. No, no, the woman. No, the, the woman. Oh. What's her name? It is. I think it's Judith. Isn't it? Judith? I don't know. I'll look back. Anyway, that character. Her name was Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer, when she walks in and sees all the bodies and does the, I'm just saying this in the chat room, the, sil- the silent scream because she doesn't oh, see yeah. it, so she can't scream, that is so horrifying. And it, to me, that is so reminiscent of so many nightmares where you just are like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible, and you cannot scream. Yeah. But it just doesn't come out. And so in this case, it's because she actually is Well, they do that. It so, uh-huh. oh, it's, it's so effective, too. Like, that's one thing, because you got a whole, because we intro with the whole scene where there's, like, uh, you know, a costume party and all this stuff. But once we get to where Yorga just decides I'm going to be my old vampire self and yes. sends his vampire women into a house. I mean, it's it's the same, like, you would see yeah, the so same thing the, maybe yeah. in another, so in another Charlie, horror movie. Yeah, it's a Charlie Manson scene. It's yeah, yeah, and yeah. just slaughtering everybody. And then he makes, you know, the one woman he makes her forget so she doesn't yeah. even remember all this horrible thing happening. You know, you, ta- you know, you talk about it being a little bit more romantic, but that's like the thing, the way he goes about romancing yeah. this woman that he thinks he's in love with is completely twisted. So, yeah. so, like he might as well be Kathy Bates in Misery. But Let's she, redirect she's not a, a little bit. I, 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 hold that thought, because I want to get sure. there, but I want to explain for the, for the listener. Right, right. So very, very briefly, um, this woman that, that you're talking about, and, and I do want to get back to the point you were just making, Drew, but uh, that basically Count Yorga has bought a house that is somewhere, somewhere not far from San Francisco, and it is across the woods from an orphanage. And so Count Yorga decides to attend a party at the orphanage. Oh, I love it, yeah. Yes, he meets the beautiful Marriott Parker, <laughs> and... Why do you laugh? I'm laughing because he's dressed as a vampire, and everybody's like, hey, get your vampire costume. And he's just like, what the hell? No, that's so perfect. (laughs) Where are your your manners? (laughs) I I love all of his, like, oh, man, I really have to deal with this again. And, you know, he just has, I just love this character because he's lived for so long, and he's kind of seen it all in his kind of world weariness about it, where they're like, you like music? And he's like, only when it's played well. Yes. Right. <laughs> he's just so, oh, he's such a jerk. But he's like, yeah. but you'd expect that, because, you know, 
He's and got he does, a, a bar like, to uphold. It, he, <coughs> wow, it's just oh, it's just so good. <laughs> he wears a cape. He wears. Yeah. He, he dresses. He dresses like a traditional vampire. He even has a streak of white in his hair. There's nothing not. And, and what's weird about him? That's what's crazy about this character. Is is he even asks the question that really is what the movie asks, which is that he goes. You know, why do you discount the possibility of a classical vampire? Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. that's what the movie's kind of asking is that is they're, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, how come we can't do it the old way? Because that's really, in a way, there's he is a completely traditional, <laughs> traditional vampire, and they're just sort of daring you to to see that if it's well done, that that can be interesting. You know, he can it can. You know, you don't have to go, oh, I'm bored with vampires. We're not going to do them anymore, you know, or we're only going to make them romantic. We're only going to make them whatever. You know, he's he's straight up the original kind, and it, and it works great. But um, he oh. meets – go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, let's not forget that he loses the Halloween contest to yeah. a really terrible, crappy vampire with terrible makeup and fakey yes. fangs. Like – <clears throat> the low rent version of Count Yorgo wins the costume contest, which is right. hilarious <laughs> and ridiculous, and somehow just like fits everything. That's a white face. Well, yeah. they call him Count Dracula. That guy, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so just to recap, Count, Count Yorga exists in a universe with Dracula as a fictional character. Mm-hmm. He is, exists in a universe with Hammer movies. As yep. you know, uh, you know because we see him watching, just sort of, you know, having a good time, kicking back, watching a Hammer vampire movie in Spanish. In Spanish, <laughs> because I guess he's working on his Spanish, vampire lovers. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's watching Vampire Lovers, which which is hilarious. Because, it was so funny. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Really this nothing. movie is really a great combination of of hilarious and then, oh, I'm going to stick these bodies in the quicksand. I mean, it's like, what? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's get back to what, what Tony and Drew were, were, point, were aching to get to, which really, you're right. So as soon as we meet Marriott Hartley, she's very charming. She's beautiful, lovely. All right. And they, they flirt, flirt, flirt. And so he decides, I want this girl. And so what he does is first he raises a harem of the dead from the ground. And we should talk about this for a second before we get to the big scene you're mm, talking about. Absolutely. So there's there's a weather thing going on that is involved that, that basically is being used as a bad omen by everybody. They're like, oh, there's the Santa Ana winds, you know, and it's whistling in the woods and it's and I looked this up, the concept of the Santa Ana winds have you have you guys ever heard of this? The Santa mm-hmm. Ana winds? Oh, yeah. this movie, no. All right. Yeah, I had. I only, I have only heard of them from Stevie Dan because Stevie Dan has a reference in, in Babylon Sisters about here come those Santa Ana winds, you know, which which are bad news and they're going to they're going to drive you crazy. It's the so I looked it up and it's traditionally it's this extraordinarily dry desert wind that comes through and it's warm. It brings heat with it and it traditionally makes people crazy and and there've been and here's here's a quote that I pulled I just want to read this to you because because I would be sad if if I didn't and it's this is from Raymond Chandler he goes there was a desert wind blowing that night it was one of those hot dry santa anas 
that come down through the mountain passes and curl your hair and make your nerves jump and your skin itch. On nights like that, every booze party ends in a fight, and meek little wives feel the edge of the carving knife and study their husbands' necks. Anything can happen. You can even get a full glass of beer at a cocktail lounge. Raymond Chandler, Red Wind, talking about, and he's only one of many writers to talk about this concept. So we've got these crazy-making Santa Ana winds coming in, and we meet Marriott Hartley, and so then up come these, these vampires. He's using this, there's, and I don't know, I don't know if he's necessarily using the weather, but the weather was the, the omen, and now here come the vampires literally from the ground. And Drew, you said they look like ghouls, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the whole idea that, like, here's this family and they're in their, their house, you know, and then these living dead things are starting to smash in the windows and, you know, trying to, but it's a very zombie movie. It's very Romero. It's very Night of the Living Dead. And yeah, they come through the window. They're, they're like, one of the characters is standing, I guess it's Marriott Hartley standing by the window and like an arm just comes through the window and grabs her by the neck, Yeah. you know, and others are coming through the window and they're coming through the doors. And it's, that is so insane. It is like Night of the Living Dead, well, except for that they seem kind of smart. You know, which is even worse. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, well, before that, they vamp the kid, too. So now there's, yes. like, a when creepy they, kid they, vampire. Yeah, that's right. There's a kid. That, I hated that kid. I, I don't know why. Oh, well, yeah. He got on my nerves. He was, like, no. he was like a horror version of Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, from about the, you know, the, the, yeah. the original version, not the... Um, you know, whatever the new one is. Well, he looks a lot right. more like Mike TV, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But, maybe. But tell us, Joya, tell us about this kid. I mean, oh, who, man. Who is this kid you're talking about? <laughs> Tony, you oh. can explain the kid. Well, um, well, my, I mean, the part that I want to, I guess, talk about is that this kid is just a little liar. Like, he gets, I, I'm not exactly clear on at what point he is, because he, he's part of the scene, isn't he? That well, okay. So the kid Tony, goes to the orphanage. Tony can explain how when he gets vamped because I'm I just want to talk about the fact that he's a liar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. Who is this kid in relation to these characters, and why is he in? Well, why is he? I guess I mean he's an orphan, right? As well. He's one. Of, so it's yeah. a big orphanage, and there's this family. That, that seems to be living there. The kid is one of the orphans, but the whole family seems to be sort of caretakers of the mm-hmm. orphanage. Married Hartley and her dad and her mom and her sister. I don't understand exactly why they are all living at the orphanage and all working there. That seems unusual to take a whole family on as servants. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But but that's uh, but that's the case. Anyway, go ahead. But yeah, and then oh man, but yeah, and shortly afterwards. You know the kid kind of. I don't know if he leads them there or not, but they they have this whole home invasion. You yes. know, like you'd see in like Death Wish or you know any number of retellings of you know the Charles Manson gang. You, you know, know anything like that, and like it just and it's terrible. It's terrifying too because you know the one woman's mute and she's obviously distraught. Even worse is. Yorga makes the uh, woman forget that he, you know, he loves. He makes her forget everything. He leaves the mute woman <laughs> yes. totally, like, he's like, what's she going to do? Tell someone? Yeah. Ha ha. It just leaves her memories intact. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow, he's 
He's so evil. It's and awesome. Well, he doesn't have to worry about it because he's got the little the little kid yeah. doing all his, his lying for him. And the exactly. kid's not even a vampire. The kid has just been sort of turned in some some. You don't think he's way. a vampire? I, no, I don't, because he walks around in the daytime. I think that he is a thrall. Ah, that's um, even worse. I guess. Yeah. To direct that kid. So the kid, yeah, the kid is when. So when the poor woman Jennifer comes down and, and finds all the dead people and has her silent scream, she sees that the kid is just standing there, yeah. and he's like seeing this scene. So she hugs him, and they go out, and I guess somehow they call the police or whatever, and the kid is asleep this whole time. And so then, when they don't, when they when she comes back in, all the bodies are gone, the blood is gone. Which I'm really curious how they managed to do this cleanup because those women. Vampires did not seem competent of such a cleanup job to me. And also, they had like this ble- broken glass, and they're like, "No, this the glass is fine, and it's been here a while." Which how yeah. did they do that? So that, all that magic was kind of I didn't understand it. This is a very Hitchcockian thing. So you have this terrible murder that we described, where the witnesses are this kid who's clearly um, on, enthralled to the vampires, and and the. The mute who is a horrible, the horrible murder. Yeah. Yeah, and so and then they busted windows and they put blood all over the place. It's everywhere, and, and now, so yeah, now it's all back, clean, it's all cleaned up the next day. Yeah. But the kid has supposedly been asleep ever since they the cops got there. So they could they bring the kid in because they're like, well, there's nothing here. Let's. And so she's like, we'll get the kid. So she brings the kid in and tries to get him to say what happened, and he's like, hmm. No, yeah, nothing. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I love the concept, though, that there's a Victor the Cleaner that, that Yoria can call who can come yeah, and, like, totally. <laughs> in, install windows that look like they've been there for a long time and replace the carpets. And, and, you know, this is a time before luminol, so you don't have to worry about yeah. about the blood lighting up. Okay, I'm going to mention Manson now. Uh-huh, All right. Go ahead. I think Tony, Tony actually brought it up. That, so, uh Drew, you said that Night of the Living Dead is important, 1968. Absolutely right. I think that that's why you've got these these vampires. Even more than in the last one, they've got, like, green, pussy. Well, and they're all dirty. Yeah, and they crawled literally out of the ground, which was which was wild. Um, they're just more supernatural, you know. But um, there's also all this Manson stuff. I mean, and, you know, the, the Tate uh, murders took place in 1969, it's impossible to watch this and not think of Charles Manson and, and his family breaking in and stabbing people and, and doing all that stuff. You know, and so that's a nerve that McGreedy, you know, making the movie knows how to touch. And it's, uh, I, I think it's totally real, especially because you have the business of this woman who's been captured and now is going to be turned, you know, over to... Uh, over to the side of of her kidnappers, and I'm trying to think. To, I think it was Squeaky Frome who, who, you know, I've got to look that up. But there were several several famous cases, you know, in the '60s of of you know women who were kidnapped in some major crime and then were essentially brainwashed to become part of the the group. And so that's what you're you're given to think might happen here because well, that's what they call like the isn't that what they call the Patty Hearst um, Patty Hearst there you yeah, go yeah. yes Squeaky Fromm I think was the woman who tried to kill President Ford so I'm sorry she was part of the Charlie Manson group wasn't she I think I I I, I have to look that up yeah I, I think that's anyway right. um, but yes uh, yeah that's the, I don't think I don't know if she was turned anyway I'm now beyond my familiarity with the uh, okay. with the Tate Bianca murders. 
Um, so I guess the next thing we're going to have to read is Helter Skelter. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, you know, and we could watch the movie then. We could do Skel- Helter Skelter, the um, the two nights uh, TV miniseries um, starring Powers Booth, if I recall. Uh, okay. Stockholm Syndrome is what they call that, by the way. Yes. So uh, anyway, they steal Marriott Hartley and take her to the big mansion. And they also steal Marriott Hartley's sister, Cynthia. But Cynthia gets turned into a vampire. And I want to say something really quick about Marriott Hartley. So um, she was, I don't know if you mentioned this, but she was in all the Polaroid commercials later on. And so I think of her as the one from the Polaroid commercials. And so even though she is so pretty in this movie and so soft and with her long hair and her pretty dresses, Oh, my gosh, the black dress was with the crystal. I wish there was a girl on this podcast right now so I could talk about the black dress with the crystals. It was so cool. Yes. But anyway. Do you want me to go um, get Jamie? She's yeah, the okay. <laughs> but um, the, uh, anyway, she's, I still saw her. Like, I can't see her as this, like, you know, just sweet little delicate flower because she's kind of a feminist. I mean, she always just, I don't even know why I think that. She just always seemed like well, a we also saw her, strong woman, you know. She played a recurring character on The Incredible Hulk, yeah, where maybe. she was a scientist who um, fell in love with, with Bill Bixby. And, and yeah, that could she be it. Figured out I, just, I just know that I didn't believe her as, as the sort of the, you know, the damsel in distress that just kind of like, what's going she on? Had, I mean, this is a woman who was in a hell of a lot of TV. I mean, um, you know, Marion Hartley, was just she was in the Halloween that almost wasn't, which which I remember as a TV movie that I truly loved, which featured you know is is Dracula and this this wicked witch played by Marriott Hartley have to save Halloween. That sounds fantastic. Um, I have, if I see it again, it's very possible that it was truly terrible. Um, but anyway, she's very pretty here. She's playing against type. She's wearing these beautiful dresses and, and everything. And that's why he's kidnapped her. His, uh, Jorg has taken her sister, Cynthia, the, the other blonde, and turned her into uh, just a vampire. And so what happens next, of course, is everybody's trying to figure out where this family went. They've left a fake note that says, hey, we went to the coast or whatever it is. But yeah. you know the right. But the people at the school are like, well, that's kind of hinky, and it really doesn't last long, because no sooner, basically, what happens is uh, Yorga, for whatever reason, decides next he's going to bring and murder Cynthia's uh, fiance, and then as soon as that happens, and then oh, and basically everything starts to fall apart. All the whole movie starts to drag us towards. Uh, the good guys, led by the doctor from the original movie, here playing a totally different but still doctor. Uh, uh, basically yeah. the same character with a goatee. Yeah, yeah, same character with a goatee. And a very and, in a, the very ineffectual priest is, is to me, also a, a great 1970s character. Oh, my well, God. Also, I like uh, that they do the same thing where they decide, hey, let's, you know, Let's put on our 70s slacks and walk around talking about vampires all, cr- all over the city. Yes. And we just kind of, they did the same. You're like, that's why, like I said, in retrospect, I didn't think of it at first, but the more I thought about it later, I was like, this is very Evil Dead 2 yeah. uh, well, kind of territory in the way that it hits the little, like the high points and kind of does a lot of the same things, but kind of amps it, you know. Yes. The, the, other, the other thing is, like, it does, you know, 
poke more, you know, the first one has a little bit of a sense of humor. This one really has a sense of humor and pokes fun yeah. at the whole vampire thing. Like, you know, in the first one, he mentions that he talks to this, this blood specialist mentor of his. And then this one, he's like, oh, I talked to this folklorist, and they show him, and he's like a total new age crackpot, but he's also extremely senile. And, right. you know, like, all that stuff is great. Right. He cannot, the, the guy that, that Baldwin goes to talk to can never remember what he was talking about. And it is insane. I mean, and, and yeah, he's well, out. you know, it, it's also more of like the kind of that sign of the times thing where you're seeing people getting more cynical with authority yeah, sure. figures, which that guy kind of represents. And so does the priest, you know, the priest would, and even the police like are, are portrayed a lot more like bumbling than I think you would see on in, in <laughs> yeah. like, uh, oh, by the way, one of the cops is Craig T. Nelson. How could we have gotten this far? I love that. I know, right? Coach. Okay. Well, yeah. Great. So, so this is a good. So, like I say, the the mystery, which we won't bother going into, but basically, Baldwin, who Dr. Baldwin from the from the last movie, is working with the police, and he started thinking there's a vampire, and so he brings in these police, and eventually, the whole movie is pushing us towards this invasion of the house that is going to happen good guys versus bad guys. It is precisely like the last movie. They say, hey, priest, you go walk around with Count Yorga while we break into the house. Uh, tell him you're giving some money or, or something like that, you know, or asking him for a donation or, or, or whatever. It is, and so they, they do. They send this priest while the, the two cops uh, who are, yes, Drew, you said, a young blonde Craig T. Nelson, and I can't remember who the other cop is, but, but mainly it's, it's good to see Nelson so, so you know, extraordinarily tall seeming and, and young. And, you know, meanwhile, they send the, while they're breaking into the mansion to look for Marriott Hartley and, and everybody else, they send the priest to go around, for, to walk around <laughs> to distract Count Yorga, which is a suicide mission because Count Yorga you know, no flies on Count Yorga. He knows that something is up, and he doesn't like priests to begin with, I'm sure. And so he, it's very, it's crazy cruel. I mean, Joya, do you recall what, what Yorga actually does to the priest? Like, Well, eventually he just leaves him to, 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 to uh, get sucked in by the quicksand, which is just so horrible. So he goes, he's just like, come on, help me out. What the hell? <laughs> and he's just like curling down. So then he's holding up the cross as he's, goes under. It's, it's actually quite horrific. Really. You vampire! Yeah. You ghoul! Yeah. Well, he leads him around, and then they're walking, and he promises him money for the orphanage. That's yeah. right. And then like, I'm going to give he, you like $20,000 or something. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, that's the most donation we've ever received. Oh, great. But then he... And it's so weird, like, he leaves him in quicksand, which is almost cartooning itself, because he's like, help me out. And then he's sinking, yeah. like, old-school quicksand, like Tarzan, totally. throw me a vine, quicksand. When did we stop using quicksand? And then, and then quick he goes under, and he's movie. like, you never, you never intended to donate that money. <laughs> you did this on purpose. Oh, yeah, man. Was, uh, in the chat room, so weird. the gentleman said, um, Sean goes, uh, you know, that, that it's fun. it is a funny line. The priest is being pulled down in quicksand and tells the vampire master, exactly. you never intended to donate that money. And I'm like, holy mackerel. Count Jorgen's like, my God, what a venal, horrible example of, of church leadership you are that it's taken you this long to figure out. That, that, and in fact, 
that's what's crazy is this guy, this priest was told, look, we're breaking into this, you know, master vampire's house to free some of the people that he has has imprisoned since he murdered (laughs) his family over there. You just got to walk around with him and distract him. And the priest is immediately distracted by the shiny baubles that Count Yorga promises of, you know. Well, I mean, Yorga's, he's, he knows how, he knows how to do it. He does. He's been at this a while. Yeah, I think that's right. I I don't even think he needs magic. I don't think he has to, like, hypnotize anybody. I think all he has to do is, I think he just knows how to play people. Well, I think, I mean, there's hypnotism going on in places, but, I mean, in general, he's also really good at what he does, which is to be a total bastard. But that's fine. Yes. It's it's amazing. I don't think I've seen, you know, uh, are there any classic vampires like this recently? Like unabashedly, unironic, um, old world. You know, The Hunger comes about ten years after this, and it's like this. Yeah, um, but there's no, there's, there's, I don't know. There's been a shift in what we, and we, I don't yeah, know if I agree with that, but there's been a shift in what a vampire is, I think, and I I yearn for a new Yorga uh, yeah. of some sort. That would just be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I... You know, it would be interesting to see somebody try to do a vampire movie more. You know, now that Hammer is back, I keep thinking that they may try to to do something more in, in this, well, this vein. The vampires I think of are the ones from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer because when Angel becomes Angelus again, yeah. he is just bad. He is a horrible, evil, evil monster. And Spike sure. for a little while there has that too, but mostly, but really, well, I guess Angelus. that's true. That's, yeah. that's true. Honestly, you know the, the 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 you know the closest thing to this on Buffy is the Master from season one, who is yeah. more of a traditional vampire, but. Buffy, but Angelus really was also. Yeah, he, he, to me that's more Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde with like some vampire window dressing. But um, the to me Buffy the and I'm not knocking this. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but to me Buffy the Vampire Slayer is more. Marvel Comics than Bram Stoker, I guess. You know, like you could tell really that's what Josh Whedon loves. And I'm not knocking that. I, I love I love that stuff too. There's there's less of the horror of that you're although although to Joya's point, this did happen with Angelus. But there's generally less of the horror of a vampire being a charming walking uh plague, you know, that 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 you do have in in Yorga and stuff like this. That when well, like I, I said, mean, to me, Angel, Angel and Angelus to me are barely that's a, that character is barely a vampire to me. Like he's only a vampire by by the way they've they the, the folklore they've attached to him. To me, that's more of a riff on Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And I've always felt so. that way. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. Because the stuff he does is traditional serial killer stuff. I don't. It's I mean, I don't. Any... I don't agree. I think he's like just biting people left and right. Well, I, I mean, I think too. So if you mean he's not, but like, he's just a br- he's, he's just a brute. Yeah. He's just a brute. You know, he's not. He's not. You know, there's none of this class. Like, like to me, like when I think of the classical vampire, like that this is patterned off of. There's got to be that level of classiness to yeah. it. You know, like 
you know, I, I see what you're I, saying. It, so you're saying that it's the hypno, the whole hypnotic suggestion thing. That well, you know, it's yeah. like here I am in my fabulous house with my fabulous clothes, and I'm above you. I'm above you, peasants. Right. Like to me, yeah, the only kind of the only fact, vampire. Huh? The only vampire to me that was truly more like that was the master. In as far as what about, and they also um, made a joke out of it when they had Dracula. Remember Dracula? Yeah, yeah, Dra- yeah but Dracula and Buffy really was a joke. And they played it all for for laughs, right? What about um, Interview with the Vampire? Were there any real vampires in there? or No, no, they're more romantic in a lot of ways. I mean, they they do horrible things, and they're no. kind of horrible. But there's not the same. You know, when I think of like a Yorga type vampire, or if you made a newer movie, it's the vampire version of what the demons do and say Omen or the Exorcist. Yes. You know, especially the Exorcist. You're following the, the very character. Point, Honestly, you know, very uh, charismatic, but also totally playing everybody kind of thing. And and honestly, a character guy. that is much more like what Yorga is, and who is not even supernatural, is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, you, you pointed it out in the interview with the vampire. The vampires are the main character. They are hunting people and killing people, no doubt about it. The romance is between vampires generally, or between people that are beautiful enough they want to make them into vampires. But other than that, you know, they're they're an alien race essentially that's that's hunting people. So to get the yoga thing, you need something right, more like Silence of the Lambs, where you're following this guy, but our fascination might be with. The, the 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 killer, but our sentiments in the end are going to be with the normal humans like ourselves, you know. And uh, well, I, it's I also that element of 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 again of classiness. Like, yes, Hannibal Lecter is a madman, but he he is, despite being in in prison prison fatigues, he is kind of regal. Yeah, and you know, like music, that regalness to me is. Right. And that regalness to me is it's totally important to yes. to to what I think of as a classical vampire. I agree. It has to be a vampiric king. Um, Yorga, in a sense, is an invention that Macready has come up with in the 70s to be his version of Count Dracula. I think clearly. I think he's like, I want to make straight. And, and like we said, you know, there there are huge parallels between the first movie and Dracula. There's huge parallels between this movie and and Dracula. Um, There's also something really interesting here that we haven't mentioned, is that in this movie, Yorga also has a witch living with him. (laughs) That he, (laughs) which which I find fascinating, she has her own little hovel in the place, and he like comes to her for advice. She's his kind of spiritual minister in a sense. She's the um, the bruja. You know, she's a, a Mexican, you know, witch, and she's – and what's wild about that is her character and the green-faced ladies, lady vampires, me, makes this movie also fit into the tradition of Mexican vampire movies, like Santo and the Vampire Women, which I think has, has a lot to do with it, especially the, you know, all the crazy Catholic stuff and the witches rising up, you know, the, the – the sort of half zombie, half vampire people rising up to the ground and, and all that stuff. And I can't, it can't be a coincidence. I know that he's got to, uh, he has to have that stuff in mind because it's impossible 
it's impossible to have this many things like Mexican vampires and for it not to be, unless I've just reached a point where I see patterns where there are no patterns anymore. Well, well that's so now, so now we've got cops. I love the setup of the cops, too, because he's handing them sticks to try to make crosses, and they're like, what are we going to do with sticks? <laughs> like These are the opposite of when we talked about cops in other films, and we're like, wow, the cops aren't. You know, they know what they're doing, and they're doing good stuff, like an invisible man. Yeah. These are not those cops. Right. You know? Oh, these, I are, do, these, I are, do like for the, these are Keystone cops. I do like for the first time, yeah. though, that the I don't show up in a mirror and on photographs thing is actually works to his advantage. He's got a great alibi. Cause he's like, you know, Yorka was right here. And they're like, dude, there was, there's no vampire. Like, that guy's not in this photo. He's like, no, no, for real. <laughs> There, there was a guy here, and <laughs> in the photograph. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, like I was, I thought that was a nice little like using the tr- you know traditional kind of tropes into like hmm, that's a pretty good alibi. That's, like he's never right. going to show up on a camera. He can you know rob an ATM or <laughs> or whatever he wants to do. You know, and they have to argue about like well, what what position was this camera taken from? Is it possible that maybe somehow the camera just missed him in this group shot, you know, that somehow he just wasn't standing there where he could be seen. That's when they're trying to convince the cops. And, in fact, even when they're breaking into this house, because the cops are convinced that maybe something's hinky going on, but they don't know, they don't completely believe that it's vampires. And I have to say, also, this also begins this scene, but there's a lot of scenes like this in this movie. They get good scares. I mean, really genuinely good horror scares out of, just the fact that when you are in this mansion, this really beautiful mansion, um, you're basically cornered by the vampires. You know, they are, they'll lock you in rooms, they'll chase you down halls, you know, they'll suddenly appear out of nowhere. And it's terrifying. I mean, when, you know, each of, each of the adult characters is basically, you know, just completely cornered and outsmarted over and over again by the vampires. Well, and this one even more so, because once they're in the mansion proper, it becomes, yeah. you know, it's Count Yorker's murder mansion. Like, he's got trap right. doors, and, you know, it, it's this labyrinth of corridors, and he's locking some of them and unlocking others. He'll suddenly and have a iron like, gate in the middle of the yeah. hallway, which I, <laughs> that, yeah. I love. It's this, like, weird, like, it's totally, the you know, his previous mansion, you know, had rooms that people were going from room to room in, but this one actually has, you know, he locks one cop away from the other one, yes. and, uh, you know, and he's flipping switches, and he's unlocking, like I said, he's unlocking some doors and opening others so that lead people around, and oh, yeah. you never kind of can quite get into the geometry of how things are, you know, people are going downstairs, and they're going back upstairs, it looks like. Um, all that stuff is great, and meanwhile, he's just like, okay, when I release these guys, like, you know, you, this part of the harem, you take that hallway. And, <laughs> hey, witch, come after this other guy and bite yeah, him. I'm wondering, you know? like, what, what is it like backstage on, in these people's lives, like, or whatever, unlives, undeaths, undeaths. Sure. Um, anyway, I'm just wondering, like, do they have names? Do they have, like, 
You know, do they have, I mean... You mean, are the different vampire women named differently? Yeah, like, like does she, he call uh, them? Yeah, exactly. Like, does, do they have personalities? Like, are this, are, is it is it like how, you know, in Africa or wherever they have, like, any place where there's uh, polygamy is, is, is common, they have, like, the first wife and then the second wife, and they have different roles? They probably do, I and mean, they probably gossip among so. themselves. And, and she was too. like, you know, Count Yorga paid more attention to me this morning, and he's been looking at me, and I think maybe he's starting to like me. And everybody's like, shut up, Sheila. We don't want to hear about it anymore. I, I think that's... Like the bachelor? Like the bachelor? Yes. I think that's probably happening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yes. Who among them gets... And they, 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 they hate Mary, Mary Hartley so much because she's in the house now, and she's not even a vampire. <laughs> Who the hell does she think she is? And he gave her that black dress with the crystals to wear, and what was, you know, what was he thinking? That was mine. My mom gave that to me. I, yeah. I, I, um, I don't know. I would, I'd hate to deal with a harem of, of vampires. Oh, would you? You'd hate that, would you? <laughs> so, it seems like, He's well, telling you he would hate him. Why don't you believe him? <laughs> <laughs> he's got it under control, but I bet... Sometimes he's like, ah, oh, what was I thinking? I I should learn, you know, all the hundreds of times I've done this, I should probably learn my lesson eventually. You know, yeah. you know, I don't know if I believe that. I think Yorka doesn't ever have those those moments of self doubt. He's just like you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're right. I I I think he's got it completely under control. And by the way, when these women move together, it is wild. Because they'll suddenly, like, appear out of nowhere, and there's, like, nine of them, you know, and <laughs> and they're just all sort of standing and slowly advancing on whoever is unlucky enough to be in their way. And you're like, holy mackerel, because they're just very scary and very smoothly moving this sort of strange rocket line of, of evil vampire women. Um, it it's it is. This thing is full of nightmares. I, I really I really like how how it's willing to like make jokes and make like Craig T. Nelson like he, he gets off a few funny one liners and you really think they're so goofy, you think that they're gonna get away and then they completely get iced, you know? Um Oh yeah. Well he, yeah. you know, they lock one guy away, he gets attacked by I think the witch, right? And then the yeah. other guy's like, hey, well, I'm going to go around here. And, and it's a little boy, like, <laughs> he goes around the corner, and all of a sudden he gets jumped. Yes. Um, and, oh, by the way, we we are also are at the best nightmare, which is the I'm going to run and choke at you in slow-mo yes. uh, scene, <laughs> to which I'm watching him. And so, so Jorg is running at the – it's the doctor, if I'm not mistaken – no yeah. wait. Yeah, Actually, he's he's running. He's running at him. And then they keep cutting back and forth as the guy can't unlock the door. Yes. <laughs> and then I, to me it seemed like one of those like you're mired in place dreams that <laughs> you can't get away. You know the yeah. next scene is you with no clothes on in the classroom. <laughs> like Yeah, I mean it, it just true. feels he's, like this yeah. like Oh, this is terrible! You know, that and is he's a funny scene. Back. That guy's still coming. You're exactly right. You know, um, uh, I think it's Baldwin is like trying oh, to right, open right. the door, and Yorga is coming, and then you look back, and he's still running at you. It is, it is a, a tremendous, tremendous thing. And the funny thing <laughs> is, Baldwin manages to get away at that point, and then later, there's a really confusing moment where he gets cornered by the vampire women against um, against the Iron Gate. 
And then that, that brings us to the final fight, which is the bell tower fight between um, Dr. Baldwin oh, yes, right. and Count Yorga over Mary Hartley, who's standing there in the bell tower, sort of under a spell. And uh, we don't know how Baldwin got away from the women. We're like, wow, how did he pull that off? And then he manages, and this is the major spoiler. I don't want to, I, I, if you listen this far, I apologize. We're going to give away the end of the movie right now. Um, they fight in the bell tower as Marriott Hartley remembers that, oh, my God, that's right. Count Yorga killed my entire family. And uh, she, Marriott Hartley actually manages to intervene and send Count Yorga over. Into, over oh, the, by the way, with a battle axe. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Yeah, she completely, she does it with a battle axe that's laying there. And, you know, like plunges it like deep into his chest. And so he goes over, woof, down, down, and he falls. And apparently that's enough to kill him. I don't know why in this movie an iron axe in the chest is enough to kill Yorga. Or maybe well, it's not. well, I mean, keep in mind, there was, there, they were planning to bring up, bring this character back. Yet again. So Yeah, so maybe he's just there. deeply wounded and it'll take some time. So he's gone. He's going to go hang out until he got in a fight with Dr. Fives. Right, right. No, it's exactly exactly what we said last time, is that sometimes it's useful for Yorga to just go ahead and go into an into a suspended animation to heal and let people think that he's dead. And then, so it's like, yay, you know, and they hug, and then Baldwin turns out that he didn't get away after all. He is, in fact, a vampire. End movie. That's the end, is that Baldwin is, is in fact, you know. He turns around, he turns toward her, and he's got vampire he's fangs. Got the, he's got the big fangs. Yep. And, you know, because for no reason at all in this, in this movie, he was able to be turned into a vampire in, like, you know, the last 45 seconds. And that's more or less the end, you know, is that Yorga, Yorga is victorious. He's, in theory, going to kill everybody at the orphanage. And maybe everybody in, you know, uh, California, and uh, and that. Well, it's that's got fun. a very kind of Rosemary's Baby ending with the kid kicking the ball and the ominous music. Oh yeah. yeah. When you consider this as an American international picture, this is pretty artistic. You know, I mean, this is this is not Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. This is some really sort of thoughtful stuff going in, going in here. Maybe that's because it's kind of independently made and just released by AIP. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, it is. It's a, I, I think it's a pretty scary movie. So that takes us to the end. We should probably discuss our uh, – are there any other topics you'd like to hit on before we come around for uh, your final thoughts on, um, on Yorga, Return of Count Yorga? And this whole series, because remember, this is the last time we're going to talk about Count Yorga. Um, I got nothing. I mean, I, I know that we've, we've hit on a great deal. All right, then let's just do it as a final thoughts. And if there's anything else that pops into your head, then you can bring it up. Otherwise, we'll go through our final thoughts fairly quickly, and then we'll come around for some very cool endorsements. Um, so we want Tony, Drew, Julia. So, Tony, final thoughts, return of Count Yorga. I, yeah, I'm kind of sad to be uh, leaving the Yorgaverse because, man, there's some solid stuff going on. I yeah. really like. I'm. I can't believe I missed these movies for so long, and there's just great horror stuff going on. Um, I I just love it. It's it's good. I mean, it's not 
it's not without its flaws. Like I'm, I can't say these are perfect movies, but uh, the parts that are good are really good, and I think more horror directors could learn from the cool parts because you could just as easily take this and use the horrific parts, <clears throat> amp those, and make a truly like terrifying, yes, you know, movie out of all those bits with just some slight tweaks. And I wish that more people did that as opposed to going, her, her, it's the 70s, I'm going to do this ironic kind of hate scream kind of thing. Yeah. And and capitalize on the the not horror parts, the goofy horror parts. I wish that they would instead go, man, there's some horrific stuff. Let's really amp that and make something truly even more terrifying. Well, let me ask you um, that this. doesn't seem to be the trend, which is unfortunate, but I wish that that was something that was going on because I think there's some really great bits in this. I want to ask this, even though, Drew, before we get your final thought, asking both of you and also Julia, this is probably one of the finest 1970s vampire movies, at least traditional vampires. How does it compare, compare and contrast Count Yorga, the Yorgaverse, to the Lost Boys verse? Uh, I love The Lost Boys. Um, This is a lot scarier than The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys, to me, is more of... uh, Well, The Lost Boys is more violent, I think. The Lost Boys is definitely... Well, The Lost Boys has more gore effects than... I mean, they had more of a budget. Lost Boys is is a fun movie. It's a fun, scary movie. It's very... You know, I hate the term comic bokey. Yes, I, I find myself using it a lot. You know, it reminds me a lot of like a, you know, even though, you know, we're talking about about a decade earlier than Lost Boys, it reminds me a lot of kind of the vibe of like a Marvel monster comic book that come out in the 1970s. And the Lost Boys kind of has like that with a bit of a new wave uh, coding over it. And, you know, it's, it's a fun movie, but it's not, again, it's not scary the way this one is. Yeah, I, 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 I guess you're right. When I, when I think of, I mean, the reason I thought of it is I was thinking this really captures to me the cynicism of the 70s in a way that the Lost Boys, to me, captures some zeitgeist, zeitgeist of the 80s. And, and I, I think it has something to do with, I actually, I, I don't know what. I just know that when I look at the Lost Boys, and it's not just the new wave fashions, I go, that is an 80s picture. But yeah, I but I, I agree with Drew that it's a very different, kind of movie. I mean, it's just, you know, the whole, it's just fun. It's funny. It's kind of funny, but it's not funny in the same way as this. It's, it's got, it's just hokier. I don't know. This is, that also is a movie that was made, and you want to talk about something that's different. That that was a movie made with, with, with about teenagers, teenage, uh, yeah. protagonists and, and for the most part teenage antagonists. So yeah, uh, Sutherland, though, if you think of Kiefer Sutherland's character, you could take Kiefer Sutherland's character out and put him in a movie like this and he would be fine because he was slick. The character that I, I think he was, um, gosh, I can't even remember the name of Kiefer Sutherland's character in that movie. But he uh, my, had, he had no, a level of, of, of cool. Anyway, um, but it was well, also, the like, character, the character that, that he plays to me, I always thought was kind of the prototype for Spike going back to Buffy. He even kind of looked sure. like Spike. Yeah, it's possible. One thing that, um, that you have that's different about this is, like, I have rarely seen in recent horror movies, especially vampire 
stuff, like the horror of the vampire invasion in the house, as well as the mute woman who can do nothing, just sit there and scream, and how a living nightmare that is. I I can't remember the last time I've seen something like that in a vampire movie. Like Yeah, I agree. I can't think of anything. That's a totally different take on, you know, there's none of that again strips away all of the romance and, you know, straight up. I mean, maybe 30 days of night would be closest yeah. to just I agree. sheer holy crap. 30 Days of Night to me is, and I like that movie, but to me it's so dialed back because, again, there isn't that, that haughtiness, that European haughtiness to the, the vampires. No, I but agree, I mean, but what I'm saying is the terror part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Just, like vampires just ripping shit up. Yeah. Um, that no, you're right. 30 Days of Night, the movie, very very much you know, in, in keeping with the kind of of just repulsive horror here. And also, you know, I think about, when I think of scenes where people are suddenly in a bunch of horror and just run for their lives, you know, yeah, 30 Days of Night, even something like um, House of a Thousand Corpses, that what's different here is that, even unlike the guy in 30 Days of Night, just Yorga, you have this extra weird ingredient of Yorga just being very old school slick, you know, and right. that's, that's just wild. Um, yeah. I agree with you. It, it'll be hard to say goodbye to the Yorgaverse. Uh, Drew, final thoughts. Anything that we haven't noticed or haven't thought of, um, Returning County Yorga and the whole series. Of well, I think, I think we've thoroughly put this one on the dissection yeah. table. I mean, I, I've really been happy with these last few discussions. And, uh, you know, I, I would be hard-pressed to think of anything that we've missed, especially with this one. I think we've we've... You know, you may have done it kind of out of order, but we've talked about everything that's there, and this is this is such a just a fun, clever movie. And you know, I like Tony. Wish that somebody would maybe look at this movie. You, I, you know, not a remake. I don't want to see a remake of this because I don't think yeah. you could recapture it without the same actor. No. But I would like to see an idea. Somebody go with the idea of a traditional vampire in the modern context. You know, like, you know, I think there's still, I do think there's still legs in that, that concept. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, now that we're putting that idea out into idea space, people, people will all start to think about this kind of vampire and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finally see that movie. And again, Hammer's back. So, you know, there's, there's always hope that they'll, they'll, they'll dust off Dracula and actually do it right. Well, you know, there is also always the Dracula of Jason's <laughs> sort of Dracula. <laughs> as much as, you know, that's self-serving and talking about that, he is a pretty that is a really guy. good. That is Please, a really good Dracula. You know, I would not be ashamed to, uh, if somebody wanted to remake, wanted to actually make a movie of sort of Dracula, I think there's still something there. Well, I actually, truly horrible, at the so. risk of sounding like too much of a brown noser, when you and I were talking about Universal's action horror franchise, I was like, man, you know, if they want to do action horror Dracula, they should just do sort of Dracula. <laughs> I wish. Like, and I say this, you know, I mean, I'm I'm friends with Jason. We've been friends a long time. But I read, I read that comic, you know, regardless of if we're friends. And I think the concept and everything riffs like it's awesome but yeah if, come on you know somebody tell 
Aww. somebody tell Universal that they already have their action adventure <laughs> and it's called Sword of Dracula. So there. And yeah. you know what? Right, it, right, your congressman. I mean, your exactly. Universal man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing to follow up on that. Although that's <laughs> awesome. I think you're, I think the words you're looking for are, are awesome. Very kind of you. Uh, Julia, uh, I think you're not going to. I love how my name suddenly became three long syllables. <laughs> or I think uh, Julia. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I just think that the '70s vibe, or is it '70s or '60s? What year year did you say it was? Is it early seventies uh, or late? Nineteen seventy-one. Nineteen seventy-one. Oh, that's the year I was born. Mm. Oh, I just I just told you all my age. Um, yes, I uh, I love the the. It just feels like even though it's gothic, it feels like nineteen seventy-one. It's just that the softness. You know, you can almost feel it here. The you know the just seventies music. <laughs> even though it's not actually playing, it's I don't know. I just it feels very. Very uh, 1971 to me, but no, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was a fun, a fun picture. I liked it a lot better than the first one, and I'm glad we watched it. Very cool. Uh, I, I couldn't add anything to this other than you know, if you haven't seen, I can't imagine you would have listened to this entire two two episode series, um, and not have seen these movies. But if you haven't seen The Return of Count Yorga. Go watch Count Yorga and The Return of Count Yorga together. And they are. They're very scary. They're very of a particular time. And it just makes you aware that no matter how much people say, hey, I'm familiar with that. I don't need to see it again. If you do it right, it becomes interesting again. And, and, and in the case of, of Count Yorga, these are some, some really interesting vampires. I would actually, I would kind of enjoy seeing a reboot or a, or a remake or something in 1970. But the funny thing is, you know, the moment you do that, the moment you go, hey, you know, we're going to put it in 1971 and everybody's going to be wearing groovy 70s fashions, it becomes even sillier because Count Yorga, of course, didn't do that. You know, he put it in, in the Well, day. when I say don't do a remake, that's the exact reason why. I think the thing to do would be to take the idea of a classic vampire invading yeah. modern times. So you wouldn't do it in the 70s. You would do it in 2014. Yeah, and, and 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 so that's where the shot. But boy, you'd have to be brave. You'd have to just sort of do it and know that you're going to nail it right and have your have yeah. Your well, I guy. want if I you know again if I saw that I would want it to be in the same. Like I want to see the scary parts. I don't want to see a ha ha. Dracula tries to take a selfie and can't because he can't get his picture in there. Yeah. I don't want to see dumb crap like that. I mean, that's you, a different. You, you could do a comedy and that would be funny, whatever. But I want to see the, hey, I am using, I'm doing what I do in a modern time, and this is what I always do. That's what makes Yorga what he is. Yeah. You know, and it's horrifying, and I'm using what I can around me to facilitate this lifestyle that I choose each time I survive. That's right. what I want to see. And, you know. Absolutely. Instead, what, you know, like Sean said in the chat room, what we have is, you know, Dark Shadows, which Jason liked. But, again, huh. this is a ha-ha look at the 70s, you yeah. know. And it did what it did, you know, whatever. But that's not 
the movie I would want to see if there was. No, you're not wrong. Like uh, the 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 extent to which I enjoy Dark Shadows completely has to do with it being fun to watch that movie and look at it, but it is not because I thought that it was effective at at doing anything like what the original was supposed to do. And, and so that's the other thing. If you were to remake Count Yorga, the only point to remaking it would be to try to recapture or repeat how scary this could be. But if yeah. you screwed it up, all it would be would be a weird coffee table book on screen about how much you liked the original Count Yorga. And that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be, that would not create anything new. Um, well, so I have no idea who you would get. They don't, they don't really make actors like this anymore. I mean, like, you'd almost have to find like a stage actor. Not a lot. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and, but I mean, truly, I mean, I think there are such people. I mean, I think that Bill Nye has already done it in uh, the, you know, the, that, whatever those are called, the ones with the vampires. Oh, Underworld. Underworld. Yeah. Bill did that, but it could have been him. He's you know? the only good thing in those movies. Though. Yes. Well, yeah, hey, if you so want right. pretty much that same character, you can watch the parts with him in it of I, Frankenstein, which are the part, only parts <laughs> I would say to watch in that thing. Because oh, that gets the don't endorse this. You know something? This week. Hannibal from TV, the guy who, who played Le Chief in uh, Casino Royale, he would be a good Count Yorga. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but there are yes. Go to go out to Broadway. You'll find a lot of of you know character actors. Who all you'd need is for them to just dial it back a little bit. You know to to play to a small a small screen. Um, you know, well, Robert Guillaume has passed, but he would have been good actually. Um, anyway, uh, all right. So that's all of our. Let's do our endorsements. Do you have? Tony, I think you were first. Do you have anything to endorse first this week? Um, I need to finish it, and I feel bad I haven't, but things got kind of crazy. I started watching a kind of a children's uh, flick called Monster Makers, and I really like the premise of a uh, a long-lost film that brings monsters back to life. And I have no idea if it pays off as well, but I started watching it, and I was really charmed by it. Um, definitely, you know, it's definitely geared towards kids. Did you say a long-lost film? Yeah. Like they there's, watch the movie and it, it brings them back to life? Yeah. When there's Well, the premise is there's a guy who has been banned from making, from showing this film, lest the film bring about monsters. Huh. And uh, Linda Blair's in it. Uh, it's it showed up on Netflix. It's called Monster Makers. Or wait, wait, oh. maybe it showed up on a free. No, I think I saw it in a preview. Um, you know, on cable. But uh, yeah, it, I started watching it and I haven't finished it yet. But uh, it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> like that's a uh, really great. That's a great idea. Um, you know, I'm totally intrigued by that. Concept. The TV movie from 2003. Huh. Um, it looks like it doesn't have the best reviews on IMDb, but what I started watching was pretty fun. And Screw it, man. Sometime. Linda Blair and Adam Baldwin and George Kennedy. Um, All right. Just, yeah. That's a good tip, and I'm totally going to rip off that plot. I'm not even going to watch that movie because that, that No, plot. no, you got to see it, though. Like, right. 
Yeah. But I can't plausibly rip something off if I've actually seen and it. And, you know, it's got a monster kid in it, so for all us monster kids, like, it doesn't matter that it's kind of a kid's movie because, you know, it's a it's a monster kid movie for really young, like, wannabe or, like, budding monster kids. That's kind of cool. In 2003, no less. Like, so it's very recent. Um, I... I think it's kind of neat. I, you know, like I said, I could be wrong. I could watch the whole thing and go, ooh, it didn't really quite gel. But what I saw of it initially, pretty cool. Very, very cool. Um, all right. Drew, did you have any endorsements for us this week? Well, speaking of vampires, uh, same endorsement as last week. I want everybody, when they're done listening to this podcast, I want them to click off talks you, go over the Comixology, go to the Monsterverse part of Comixology, get the new issue of Halloween Man because it is all about vampires. It's starting a big three-part vampire story. Uh, it is the last story arc. Our our regular artist, who has been, been my regular artist for the better part of a decade now. I was actually doing the math on this. He's 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 moving finally moving on to greener pastures and we we're kicking it off kicking him off to his 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 new new lot in life with with evil, desperate vampires taking over a small Texas town. And I think anybody who likes Yorga will find a lot to like in the story story arc. The the, the main villain is very Count Yorga. He's walking around in evening wear wearing a cape and he's oh so full of himself. So you you should you should get on there. It's only a dollar ninety nine and believe me when I say and passionately every fan counts. If you've been reading Halloween Man and I know some of the people who listen to the podcast do, please tell your friends to read it. We are trying to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I can't emphasize how important it is for us to keep doing this. We need more fans. So uh, please do check out the new issue of Halloween Man. It is a perfect jumping on point if you haven't been reading. Very awesome. Great endorsement. Um, and I will do exactly that because I haven't read the most recent one. So, so Here we go. done. Done, done. All right. Ms. Julia, do you have any endorsements for us this week? No, I started a new job last week, so my brain has not been in a place of enjoying media. <laughs> Although, congratulations. It's been in a place of trying to juggle, um, you know. Oh, we got a new fan. Apparently the the uh, principal of... Oh, yeah, I, that's so funny. Um, yeah, uh, shout out to Mr. Malconian. <laughs> the principal of Katerina's school said he checked out the... Um, the podcast and and he thought it was great so yay that's that's really hilarious. <laughs> the principal of the school is like yeah hey, but listen to your podcast is he is he a principal yes he is a <laughs> principal of the of the podcast oh my god I can't right. believe you made me say that <laughs> so um uh my endorsement actually is a truly oddball one um but that's that's nothing new i uh so i was on a long drive this weekend and what I decided to listen to, because after I finish the book I'm working on now, I'm, I'm going to start something based on The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. I know this already. And so I was listening to a radio version of The Ghost of Mrs. Muir that was recorded in 1947 as part of the Lux Theater uh, radio show. So it's an hour-long um, presentation of The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, very much based on the same story, the, the, the same version that became the movie. In other words, it's clearly 
based on the movie script. But Charles Boyer, the famous, famous uh, actor of the period, um, who was you know really good in Barefoot in the Park as late as the 60s, plays Captain Greg in The Ghost of Mrs. Mirror, the 1947 radio version. You can hear it on YouTube for free. And, you know, I just, I just love it. I, I've been, you know, really loving radio dramas recently. And uh, also uh, one of uh, our daughters has started being really into them. She uses, you know, radio dramas to go to sleep at night and listens to, to uh, Archie Andrews every night. So, so yes, my, uh, my endorsement is the Lux Theater presents The Ghost and Mrs. Muir from 1947. And I've already posted it on the page, so you can find it there. All right, so if you're listening, if you have any friends who aren't listening, tell them, tell them to listen, especially if they're into horror movies. Actually, probably only because of those are the guys that you would want. Leave reviews for us on iTunes. Believe it or not, leaving reviews for us on iTunes helps people to find the show because those reviews get filtered out to lots and lots of other sites. Um, you know, uh, like us on Facebook, come and leave comments, argue with us, make suggestions. Uh, we'll probably do another really exciting Christmas episode next week. I'm not even going to say what it is yet, but it's going to be scary and dark and, and evil and maybe Canadian. And we will, we will definitely see you in the next week, and then we'll probably take a break. Um, so one more week and happy holidays. Happy Thank holidays. you, everybody. Have a fantastic evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And thanks Bye. again, Sean, for uh, the chat room, for being in the chat room. We appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Yes. We're really thankful for that. All right. Cool. Bye, well, guys. Catch you guys later. Good night. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.